Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. One. Hey there, Hill Folk, and welcome back to another episode of Appalachian Intelligence. We're extremely grateful to have you all again for this week for another episode. Uh, We hope that all y'all had a very, very Merry Christmas. And by the time this one drops... Happy New Year. We're going into 2023 strong, really strong. We've got a lot of new things planned for 2023. Um, you know, the show has really, really grown in the course of, of the last year. And it's you guys that have done it. I mean, all we can do is, is sit here behind these mics and spout the nonsense that, <laughs> that we spout. You guys taking it. Sharing the show has really, really grown this show. Leaving the ratings and the reviews, it's it's been a huge help. So for that, we're extremely thankful and extremely grateful for all y'all Hill folk. Again, we've got some big things coming. You guys keep your eyes out for all of that. Um, and again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Hope it was spent with the ones you love the most. Hope you were just over the moon happy joyful right guys yeah absolutely you you can slip any more holiday words into that i don't know i was trying well i was gonna go with like hanukkah and kwanzaa and uh other holidays or no holiday maybe you don't celebrate anything yeah we just you know we we love you too you know no no judgment here on the uh no 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 judgment we just love we love you, and we hope you love others. Just spread the love, no matter what you believe in or celebrate. Share some love. Anyway, with you tonight, your hosts, as usual, it's been pretty spotty here over the last little bit, but as usual, Listen, you got that, was a shot. that was nothing but a shot at me. <laughs> That's what that was. Well, you know what? Listen, I, I agree. That was listen. that was uh, that was listen, rapid fire. I apologize hey, for my look. body attendance here. There's just been some sorry. He was trying to spend some time with his daughters at Christmas. I apologize that there's just been a few things that have been happening around here. 
when you're sitting in the pew on Sunday and the preacher says, hey, look, if you feel like I'm stepping on your toes. Well, I, I'm, I was convicted. You said it, and I was convicted. That's why I spoke up. There it is. There it is. The heart was convicted. So That's I why I quit up. going. The bastards kept pointing me out every time. Not directly. <laughs> Not directly. But I knew. So let me just up front. Let's just make sure all, all, all hearts and minds are clear here before we get going with the second part of Roswell. I've missed a couple of episodes. Yeah, you have. I apologize. Yeah. I, you know I, what? I, tell just... you, I'm, I'm, I apologize for it. I didn't didn't happen on purpose. Maybe if you would ask me before you scheduled stuff and then mm, plan well, instead of just scheduling stuff and telling me to be there, maybe that if would that's, be cool. If that's the way it had to be, we would never record anything. It's 100% <laughs> the truth. It is 100% the truth. <laughs> I forgive you, and I'm sure that Ryan forgives you. I, I forgave you when it happened. But the hill folk, I'm not I sure if they do. And I was I'm not sure if they do. This party anyway, they're they're okay with me not being around all the time. No, so we're going to sure. begin. We're going to begin 2023 with a poll. We're going to begin it with a poll. How many episodes will Lance miss in 2023? No, that's not it either. We're just going to go straight forgiveness tactic here. If you forgive Lance, you listeners out there, look, this is all based on you. We might kick him all off the show based on the, this poll. Threaten me with a good time. <laughs> If you forgive Lance, I don't agree for missing, for missing a couple episodes lately. You know, let us know. If you don't forgive him, cannot forgive his inadequacy, then no, let I us know that as well. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> She's been dealing with it for how many years? Why <laughs> don't she like to admit? Man, twenty twenty three has went off the rails quick. We ain't uh, even there yet. Well, we're not there. When this drops, we're going to be there. Was it? Oh my it's god! Crazy. It'll be 2023 when this thing drops, boys. Right, boys, enough about this madness. Give me 1947 Ryan journalist. <laughs> we'll get there, but first, we got we some five-star reviews. Off a five-star review. Lance, you didn't miss that, but you don't forgot. No, I, I knew. I just, I'm so anxious. This one hard. comes. This five-star review comes from Don't Bother Nine. It says, great work, gents. Five stars. Has rapidly become one of my favorite podcasts. The only issue I have is you got to pump up Ryan's volume. I hear Justin and Lance loud and clear. I sometimes have to replay Ryan to make certain I heard what I heard. It's usually pretty awesome since everyone else is laughing. He is the holler savant. <laughs> Keep up the greatness. Kevin F. from St. Augustine, Florida. Well, Kevin F. from St. Augustine, first off, thank you, thank you very, very much for your five-star review. And when we got this one, I actually was talking to Ryan about it, and I said, I appreciate this review so much because there was constructive criticism in that that I think we've worked really hard in trying to fix since we've seen this review. Yes. But it was constructive criticism with five stars. That's awesome. Yeah, that's That's awesome. awesome. And Kevin F., just so you know, I get really animated when I start talking, and sometimes I back away from the microphone, and that's what happens. So Justin's constantly reminded me. Thanks for your criticism, 
Kevin. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. And that's only going to make the show better. If yeah. it was if, if it was you hearing that, then a lot of other people were hearing it as well. And we appreciate you pointing that out and leaving this sweet five stars to go along with it. And also, I love St. Augustine. St. Augustine is one of my favorite places that I've ever been to. I'll and concur. Justin co-signed on that. I loved St. Augustine when my soon-to-be wife and I went down there with her family several years ago. It's an awesome, awesome place. Yeah. I don't I think I've ever there. been to that part of Florida. Oh, dude. St. Augustine is is beautiful. I mean, you have the, the harbor and everything right there. Like, you drive across the Bridge of Lines and go to – you know, three or four different beaches, you know, whatever you want to pick out beach wise. But then St. Augustine, the old town, have, all the stories. Yeah. So cool. You have colonial St. Augustine right there. Everything is so historic. Right across the street from colonial St. Augustine, you have the old fort, the old Spanish fort that's there, still constructed. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful and it's slow paced. Like you would think all the tourism, all the stuff that it would just be boom, 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 all this fast pace. It, dude, it's not like it's slow paced. You just kind of go with the flow. I love it. I love St. Augustine. I would move there tomorrow if I could. Anyway. Okay. So again, Kevin, thank you so much. You are uh, just, just to, just to wrap up. We're very grateful for the five-star review and the constructive yes. criticism. And these yes. guys love where you're from. Yes. Correct. Now, let's dive into the meat of this thing. Let's get 2023 rolling. So, so, before we get started, though, I know the Hill folk are probably going to notice. Orion is pretty sober for this episode. And uh, I just have to say... You may as well get used to that because I'm clean now. Mm. I uh, I found out just this past week that too much THC can be a bad thing when your body produces a certain chemical that can react with THC to have a negative effect. Well... I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Anyway, what it boils down to is I was taking too many gummies and my body produces more of this chemical than other people's and it causes what's called HCS, huge cock syndrome. And it has been a real damper on my life. Uh, I am constantly berated at the gym. Uh, I can't even shower in public. Um, I broke my wife's vagina the other day. <laughs> um, she's down for the count. But anyway, if y'all wouldn't mind, just say a few prayers for me. And somehow we're going to manage this. I'll get through it. But no, for real, I, that's all nonsense. That's, that's, that's all nonsense. But uh, I did quit gummies. I did. Quit, <laughs> I have quit taking edibles. Uh, 
just for other reasons. You know, got got to go looking at some other opportunities. So I had to quit. But I told you guys I had a pretty good joke for that. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You, you warned us. You didn't see that coming, did you? No. I, no. No, I didn't. I was actually I didn't I was actually in the kitchen making my cheeseburger that I was gonna eat for supper tonight and I was like, oh shit, that's hilarious. I'm saying that. It's really good that I didn't see your HCS coming. (laughs) It's a really good thing. Oh, you'll see it coming. (laughs) It leads the way everywhere I go, unless I'm walking backwards. And sometimes it leads then, depending on how it's swinging. Oh, good lord! Okay, guys. All right. So jump. So jumping into this thing, <laughs> we left off. This. We left off with a couple weeks ago with Ryan's deep dive into Roswell, part one. Uh, we took a break from that with Dave and Frank from the Hush Hush Society podcast. That was a great conversation. Uh, if you guys missed that one, go back and check it out. But also, if you missed part one of the Roswell episode, you need to go back and check that one out before we dive into this one, or you're probably going to be really lost. There's a lot of names, a lot of tie-ins, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of dates. uh, Yeah. So I think Ryan's going to give us a quick recap of kind of what happened, what was going on, where we left off, and then we're jumping straight into ryan's deep dive down the roswell rabbit hole in this edition so take it away brother yeah man so last well it wasn't last week the week before it's two weeks ago when we were going over this uh we talked about walter hout Uh, that's the main character of this particular incident uh, just Major Jesse Marcel, we covered. He's the guy in all the famous Roswell pictures holding the debris, looking back at uh, General Roger Ramey, I think. I have to go back and look, but I know his last name's Ramey. Um, uh, Walter Hout and Marcel's boss is uh, Colonel Blanchard, who, by the way, I have to go and say this to you guys. I didn't put it in my notes, but re-listening to that after I'd gone over that to make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, They went on to say, not only did he become a four-star general, no, yeah, four-star general, but he died at his desk in the Pentagon. He stayed in the military that long. Dang. (laughs) He was a dedicated man. That was... Colonel Blanchard was pretty awesome. Hmm. And I guess they... And we're back. Okay, so we went over everything. A couple of guys made a few admissions, and we left off with Major Marcel. Now we're going to pick up. Uh, and now we're in the... Uh, so now in the late 70s and through the 80s, there are a lot of deathbed confessions coming out. You know, okay, Mars- hold up, hold up, real, real fast, Ryan. I, I'm not trying to like interrupt or cut you off right off the bat. Well, too late. But I, <laughs> well, I think it's important just in case people don't go back and check out part one. Like we all know about Roswell. We all know that there was a crash. There was material scattered everywhere. The the media and the government and military 
They all tried to claim that it was weather balloons, all this different stuff. But you had people like Jesse Marcel that literally picked up all this stuff, put it in their trunk, and took off with it to the point that his own son was playing with this debris. Uh, you had people that were there and involved and observed this crash material that were getting shipped all across the nation and the world, even to different posts. Uh, you had like a lot of things that were going on to make sure that the narrative that this was a weather balloon, that there was nothing, you know, no higher tech or off worldly or anything like that. You know, th there was a narrative that was being pushed and, you had Walter Hout, who was the main PR guy, who was like right there, full front. He was like, this is what it is. No questions asked. But all the people that were involved that had hands on the material later stated this wasn't of this world. And then the people, again, that observed it were shipped off. So back to you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Okay. So, now in the late 70s and through the 80s, there are a lot of deathbed confessions coming out. Like we said in the last episode, after Marcel kind of spoke up, it kind of cleared the way. Other people got more, you know, they were braver, and they started coming out with their deathbed confessions. So, here's just a few examples. So, Corporal Robert Lida had been an MP at Roswell back in 1947. After he died in 1991, his wife shared a story about a conversation she had with him after they had watched a special on TV about the Roswell incident. She claims Lida turned to her and said, well, I suppose I should just go ahead and tell you. I've been meaning to tell you for a while now. It's true. Lida shared with her that he had been ordered to stand guard at the hangar on base and from his post, he could see what looked like wreckage of some sort of craft. He also tells her he remembers seeing small bodies recovered from the wreck. Again, if you remember from last week, if you were with us, these are the little guys with the huge dicks. He also tells her he remembers seeing small bodies recovered from the wreck. I just read that. I'm sorry. When he asked if she believed him, she said, absolutely. He was telling me the truth when he knew he didn't have much longer so basically he was sick too and uh he was just confessing to his wife he didn't do it in a uh um you know out in public sort of way okay let's see now the next one sergeant homer roulette roulette Rolette, I don't know, R-O-W-L-E-T, was a member of the 603rd Engineering Squadron stationed at Roswell. He left the military with an impeccable record with 26 years of service and not a single blemish. He never spoke a word of what he witnessed there in 1947, but in 1988, while on his deathbed, his son claims that he confessed to being a part of the cleanup crew at the crash site where he spent days following the weather balloon stories and collecting parts from planes north of Roswell. He tells his son about a thin metallic foil 
that he called memory material because it would retain its shape no matter how he tried to bend it. He also described the ship that it came from as being circular in shape. The last part of his confession is that he saw three little people. They had large heads and huge dicks. I'm just kidding. They had large heads and at least one of them was alive. Two of Homer's former squad members tell nearly identical stories. Uh, Private First Class James Sane and Master Sergeant Harry Telesco tell stories that corroborate both the materials found at the site and the bodies recovered from the wreckage. Okay, 1986. Sergeant. Ryan, let me stop. I've got a question. Okay. Not to not to break up the flow of things, but I had a conversation this week um, with my loving and endearing wife, and I, she asked you to tell me to stop mentioning dicks. No, she, oh. no, no, not at all. <laughs> but she had almost no clue what Roswell was. So, like, I had to because we were talking about things as we do on several hour drive we had <clears throat> she was just we were just chopping it up trying to pass the time other girls were watching and were asleep or whatever and i had mentioned we'd done a podcast <clears throat> excuse me about roswell and she was a little bit clueless on what roswell was and then i mentioned area 51 and like the aliens of and even then she was kind of not really like it didn't trigger a, a response how many people do you think, we'll say just in America, really don't know what this is at this point? You think that's a probably a, a pretty large portion of the population, especially probably probably kids. You're like the, the, the teenagers that I teach. You're all kids that that are your old, you know, your boys that are a little older. You think a large portion of them probably really have no idea what this even is, or is it still a pretty common, still a pretty common knowledge type thing? Uh, to, I guess to us, it would seem crazy that people don't know what it is because it was, you know, it's been talked about since I was little. You know, I've seen things, read things about it, but I, I guess technically, if you've never been into that sort of thing, let me liken it to this. I've had kids in my classroom in the last two years who had no idea what 9 11 was. And they weren't alive. What? They weren't alive. Yeah. They had heard of it, maybe kind of, but really couldn't give a very good explanation on what it was. Yeah. That's only that's only 20 years. Yeah. And if you remember in the first part, uh, when uh, General Ramey told had that press conference, he told them it was a weather balloon. Now, forget about it. And they pretty much they did because, you know, the country was in a state where right. you know, the military was very well respected. And whatever they said, you know, that's what the media said. You know, we're coming up on 80 years. Yeah. Yeah. This event took place, and we're in this vein. We know this has always been something we've talked about, Justin. I mean, we've always had an idea or had fun talking about this. But like, a lot, but I would assume a large portion, and maybe not, maybe it's wrong to assume, but I would bet it'd be safe to say a large portion of the population really doesn't know what this is. Well, I'm also, sure. Oh, go ahead. I'm sure that I could, like, you know, I'm sure that Connor knows about it. He's a weirdo like me. Um, but I'm sure if I asked, you know, minus my 
little ones. I'm sure if I asked Alyssa and Monica about it, like they they have probably heard the name Roswell and maybe could even tie it to. Well, they would tie they, it to that new TV show. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but they may even be like, you know, um, is that close to Area 51? Or like they may even like do some of the just the, the, the surface level ties, but they probably couldn't tell you much about it. Like as far as like, you know, okay, what happened there? They probably couldn't couldn't tell you a whole lot. Besides, you know, maybe oh, um, it has to involve or you know it has it's aliens are involved. Yeah, and I don't know, I, I don't know if they would be able to even say that. Also, so I don't know. It's also these what last two generations of kids didn't have unsolved mysteries scaring the shit out of them when they were little kids. <laughs> so we got it's we true. were kept up with all the weird like i don't know about you guys i never miss that show no matter how much it terrified well, me i used to hate that show my mom would watch that i oh, loved I it i used to hate that show when i was little i, I remember bed terrified when mom she'd be watching that crap in the old we had i had to walk up and turn the channel on tv like with my hand didn't have a remote no old tile you know what i'm talking about TV actually worked. It doubled as like a storage container because you stack a bunch of stuff on top of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Just the rabbit ears every now and then. And she, I used to hate the fact that she would watch that show. Yeah, I lay in bed terrified thinking somebody was going to come pick me up and never there. I was going to be on Unsolved Mysteries. That old freaking man. I hated him. I wanted to put talking about penises. I wanted to punch him right in his own dick because he was irritated the crap out of me. He was so spooky and so saggy. Nothing about him said I want to be around him. He wasn't like anybody's he's like, everybody's worst grandpa. That's what he Come was. Come on, man. He was brilliant in Caddyshack. <laughs> he was Creepy so funny. music, grainy videos of stuff you couldn't make. All, all videos looked the same. They told you a different story. Dude, yeah, I when it. I heard that theme music coming on, I would come running. But also, at the same time, my dad would always be like, why is this show scary? You're like, uh, it's unsolved mysteries, Dad. Exactly. <laughs> These bastards are out there somewhere. <laughs> I guess we'll just keep talking until Justin gets back, unless I should just keep going. I don't know. Just start rolling. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was the reason that this derailed, and I apologize. But let's, oh, no. let's keep going. Jump, jump back in. No worries, my friend. Let's see. Okay. So we were talking, I was getting ready to say in 1986, Sergeant Melvin Brown was on his deathbed in London as he told his daughter it was not a damn weather balloon. Although his wife and eldest daughter refused to discuss it, Beverly felt like her father wanted his story shared. He said everything was being loaded into trucks, and I couldn't understand why some of the trucks had ice in them. I didn't understand what they would be trying to keep cold. Our orders were not to look, but I lifted the cover, and there were bodies. Three small bodies with large heads and slanted eyes. In 1991, the International UFO Museum and Research Center opens its doors for the first time. It has over 50,000 documents, photos, tapes, and reports. There are three founders of the museum. The first is Max Little. He was a real estate broker that helped procure the premises. Glenn Dennis, who was a young man at the time of the Roswell incident, he worked at Ballard's Funeral Home less than a mile from where the museum is today. 
Glenn will tell anyone that will listen about the mysterious call he received while at work in July of 1947. The caller was said to be the mortuary officer at Roswell and had questions about procuring hermetically sealed coffins and about preserving bodies that had been exposed to the elements for a few days. And, of course, the third owner and founder was Walter G. Howe. Now, while it would still be a decade before Howe will have his story revealed, his companion that day, Captain Sheridan Cavett, is about to have his day in the spotlight. So will all of these stories coming out. Some in the government have started demanding a full investigation. Oh wait! So with all of these stories coming out, some of the go- some in the government have started demanding a full investigation. In 1994, Congressman Stephen Schiff requests the GAO head up a full-scale audit. Congressman, uh, so the Secretary of the Air Force ordered all documents pertaining to the incident to be found and shared. There's only one person alive known to have participated in the recovery of the materials. Before the interview, the Secretary of the Air Force, SECAF, granted Cavett permission to discuss all matters regardless of their classification. So basically what they were telling him was no matter top secret, classified secret, you can discuss it. He was given full permission to discuss everything he knew. Or that's what they're saying. (laughs) So (laughs) it could have been in public, you can discuss everything you know, and then behind closed door, don't you you utter a damn word, you know? I don't know. Yeah. But the Secretary of the Air Force says, regardless, oh, my God. That's what he said? Yeah. Yeah, he said, Ryan, he said Ryan's O-M-G. a dumb. He said Ryan's G. a dumbass because uh, apparently when you hit the space bar and Microsoft Word is open, it takes you back to the top of your page. <laughs> okay, and that's not where I was reading from. <laughs> All right, so uh, they gave Cabot permission to discuss all matters regardless of their classification. Cabot is asked what they found. And he describes the balloon debris. He even tells investigators of a black box they found among the remains. So this leads investigators to some top secret shit that was going on in the 40s. All right. It's called Project Mogul. Mogul? Mogul? Feel it. Uh, M-O-G-U-L. Mogul? Mogul. I think it's Mogul, but I was going to look it up. Project Mogul. So strictly managed that most people involved never knew any more than the part they played in it. So basically, if your job was to make one specific part for one of these aircraft, that's all the hell you knew about it. You just knew you were making that one specific part. You didn't know what it went to. Nothing. Which, to me, now this is just me, but 
if I'm building something, I would imagine I would need to know the whole process, what the end result is supposed to be, because how do I know the component I'm making is going to work properly if I don't even know what the hell it's for? So that's kind of weird, right? I agree, but if you have the blue, if they if they reverse engineered it enough to know the process, they bring you in and be like, here, this is step A through Z, follow yeah. them in order. This will always work. And then here's your paycheck. Be quiet or we'll put you down. I would imagine, you know, you're probably a little more apt to just shake your head and say, okay. Okay. So Project Mogul was created to monitor Soviet nuclear tests by monitoring low frequency acoustics in the upper atmosphere. How are they doing this, you ask? Gigantic high-altitude balloons. The project engineer for the program, Dr. Charles Moore, was still living at the time of the inquiry, and he testified as well. Moore shared project logs from June and July of 1947. The first high-altitude balloon was released on June 4, 1947. Sorry, but oh my God. You guys heard every bit of that, didn't you? Okay. Sorry. It doesn't mute when I'm on that damn screen. This sucks. Sorry, guys. And now I can't get back. Okay, the first high altitude balloon was released on June 4th, 1947. And it is this balloon the team thinks the rancher found the debris of. The Project Mogul balloons were the first of their kind, many times larger than anything else in the sky, and made a hyper made of a hyper durable plastic called polythene. These round, shiny balloons were reported as flying saucers so often that the team used the reports to track the balloons. Moore also describes materials used in earlier models. Other than polythene, there was foiled back paper and also wood beams adorned with purplish pink tape with little symbols on it. Remember the little thin beams we talked about yep, with the weird yep. symbols on them? Yep. Yeah. So here's the explanation for that. It all wrapped up and pretty with a bow, right? Okay. So. All right. As described, like I was saying, as described by Marcel to his son. In addition to the balloons, he also reported the use of dummies to test the effects of high altitude freefall on the human body. Dummies were not a common thing at the time, and not very many people knew about them. In the end, it was decided that Project Mogul's balloons were the source of the crash and the debris found. Hmm. So. That does kind of give validity to the way General Ramey acted. It's a weather balloon. Nothing more. Forget about it. Because this was a highly, highly classified project. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't realize that the Soviets had nuclear missiles in the 40s. Well, uh, what was it? 42, we dropped the A bomb. Right. But like, yeah, I guess they're just tracking to see. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't mean that. Obviously, there's probably well, obviously a huge amount of validity to that. I just didn't realize that that 
the nuclear missiles were or nuclear missiles, but nuclear weapon weaponry was a actual cause for concern in the, in 40s. the late forties. You told thing. me it was in the 60s or whatever. Like, yeah, it makes sense. But like 20 years prior to the Cold War. Huh, that's really interesting. Uh, let's see. Okay, so now we're going to get back to Walter. So uh, up until his death in 2005, other than saying that the material was not of this world, always vehemently denied having ever witnessed anything. So his affidavit is, is a complete turnaround. It's July 8th, 1947. Walter arrives for the 0730 staff meeting on Roswell Army Airfield. All right. The usual people are all, are all there, but there is an extra. And I still have mush mouth. This is great. General Ramey, the commanding officer of Colonel Blanchard. There's tension in the room and everyone can sense it. So Hout sits in silence while Marcel and Cavett brief the room on the crash site five miles north and rumor of another 40 miles north. Hout had heard rumors of this, so he wasn't surprised by this news. But when they started passing pieces of it around the room, he was a little shocked. So everyone in the room is a high-ranking officer and works with classified documents and materials all the time, and none of them can identify these materials. This is according to Hal. So after a time of looking over these materials, they finally get to the matter at hand, and General Ramey suggests diverting attention to the second crash because the closer crash is of more interest to the government. We covered that. They are all sworn to secrecy and dismissed. Okay. Now we're getting back to the part where just a couple hours later, this is when Blanchard calls out with the first press release. In which we know he said it was flying saucers or uh, UFO, however he put it. So... Blanchard, so two hours later, Hout gets a phone call, and it's Colonel Blanchard telling him to get a pen and pad, write down word for word what he says, and then release it to the public. Blanchard has attested to the fact that Hout released what he was told to release after that call. So the first statement he, he took up for Hout, he's like, listen, he didn't release the wrong thing. That's what he was told to release. We were wrong. It was weather balloons, basically. So the statement released said that they had pieces of a flying disc on route to Fort Worth, which Hout released to the newspapers and radio stations. Now, Blant, remember a little bit after that, Blanchard came to Hout's office, told him, why don't you go home for the day? Okay, so now we're going to get into the meat of some shit. <laughs> so Blanchard comes by Hout's office a little after this to check on him and tell him to take the rest of the day off while all this kind of cools down. Blanchard and Hout served together for a long time, like I said before, and the colonel was someone that Hout considered a friend and mentor. So Hout grabs his coat and Blanchard walks him out. But when they get outside, he directs Hout towards an old hangar building instead of a parking lot. They approach the building 
Hout notices two armed guards on either side of the door. Once inside, he realizes why. And, uh, guys, this is also another spot that I really tried to come up with a joke, and I was going to do, like, a big orgy with circus clowns and all that, but I was like, man, I've just done too many dick and sex jokes. Like, come up with something else, for God's sakes. But I couldn't. So I just didn't do a joke because, man, they're going to get tired of all this. Anywho, they approach the building. Hout notices two armed guards on either side of the door. Once inside, he realizes why. The building is filled with people rushing around frantically at whatever task they were trying to accomplish. Hout is taken aback when he realizes the object from the nearest crash site the general spoke of being of interest. The object looks metallic, about 15 to 18 feet long, a little less in width, and six feet high. He looks the object over to find anything familiar, but can't find any wings, landing gear, or windows. He starts to turn to Blanchard, but his attention is drawn to what he realizes are canvases draped over small bodies, about the size of a 10-year-old child but the heads were way too large to be human. Colonel Blanchard ushers out back outside and informs him they have set up a temporary morgue for the bodies and that nothing in there was hot, meaning radioactive. All right. So. And I just did it again. Another statement. What's that? That's that's nuts, dude. <clears throat> that's yeah. nuts. By my by my count, that's five different people that were involved somehow that not only said they witnessed bodies, but that they witnessed three bodies. And the ones that gave a description all described them the same way. And I'm sure they're not like meeting in secret here and being like, hey, let's get our story straight so we can uh, make the world think that there was a bunch of aliens here or whatever. If you remember, most of those confessions were told to family members. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't made public, you know. Decades later, too. Yeah. Yeah. Decades later, you have people coming forward. And like I said, by my count, based on. The people that you've said, that's the fifth different person to this point that have not only witnessed bodies, but three bodies. That's nuts, dude. That's wild. And if you remember Marcel or who was it? Oh, the the MP that raised that one up. Or I can't remember now. I just said it. But one of them said one of them was still alive. Yeah. Yeah, I actually wrote that down. So, uh, all right. And this is my last paragraph, guys. Another statement in Hout's affidavit is about Marcel and a conversation they had in 1980. Marcel told Hout that he carried the box of debris in that contained the strange materials to General Ramey. He was told to put the box on the table and was ushered into another room to be briefed. Now, this is in Fort Worth. When he came back out, the box he carried in was gone and a new box with different materials was in its place. 
A reporter was ushered in and proceeded to take pictures of Marcel with the debris. Halt said that Marcel seemed upset as he shared what happened in Fort Worth, but the two men never spoke of it again. Halt signed off on the affidavit by saying that he received no money or anything of value for his words, and they are the truth to the best of his ability. Now, with that being said, it's also worth noting that Kevin Costner no, I'm telling you a lie. This is a different story. Shit. <laughs> what? Where is this going? <laughs> is Beth Dutton showing up in this story too somewhere? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell y'all, whenever I do the JFK release, uh, the deathbed confession, the guy that had the goods on that was offered over $5 million by Kevin Costner when he was making that movie for that information and he wouldn't sell it to him. So he, wow. he, he turned down $5 million for that information. He knew a long time ago that the CIA had JFK killed. Oh, that's what Kevin Costner thought. Everybody's known that since the time it happened. <laughs> Guys, that wraps up Roswell. Ryan, that was awesome, buddy. That was, it was, awesome. it was fantastic. That was a, crazy deep dive into a whole lot of the people. And, and I think that's what you miss in all the conversations about Roswell, no matter who's talking about it or whatever, you miss all the integral key people that were involved in the whole thing. And I think that when you start talking about people and what, and what they're saying at the time, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's huge because if they can recollect decades and decades later, you know, vividly, this is what I seen. This is what I did. This is what I was part of. It played a big impact in their lives. And think about that, man. Think about having to live for decades and knowing that people out there are talking about this nonstop, that everybody's covering it. That, but you have to keep all this silent. Like that would be tough, man. That would be a hard thing to do. What it seems is every one of these guys did it up until they were about to die and they just felt like they should share it with somebody. Okay. So I'm going to share something really, really fast. It's kind of hard to decipher, but. In one of the pictures that has Jesse Marcel in that, it, it, you know, holding up the weather balloon debris, when it was taken in 47, there's a sheet of paper just kind of strode in the background of where that wreckage and where they're doing like this PR campaign and all this different stuff. Well, I'm sure in 47, they didn't account that technology would be as advanced as it is today and people would be able to take a picture and pixelate it in certain ways and enhance and do all these different crazy things that they can do. <clears throat> so that sheet of paper that's in the background, that's what's been done to this piece of paper. It's been enhanced. It's been blew up and brought about and to the best of 
people and, and, and their ability out there to, to do the, this stuff, this is what's come about. All right. Now, some of these, they have like a couple different words because you can't make out for sure 100% what it says. So I'm just going to read what has been decrypted from this sheet of paper just thrown in the background of this weather balloon picture with Jesse Marcel. At the top, it says urgent HQAAF, Washington, 8th of July, 1947, Vandenberg, 1713 Central Standard Time from HQ 8th AAF, subject Roswell. The body says FWAAF acknowledges that a disc is next new find west of the cordon at location was a wreck or pod or airfoil near operation at the ranch and the victims of the wreck you forwarded to the question marks team at Fort Worth, Texas. Aviators in the disc, they will ship. Oh, it, it says aviators or visitors in the disc. They will ship for A1 Fifth Army or AAF AMU by B29-ST or C47. Write AF, assess or assist, airfoil or fly out at Roswell. About that, or about noon, CIC slash team said this misstate meaning of story and said late today, next sent out PR of weather balloons would take, fare, or work if photos used and land, I'm not sure what, demo, demo something cruise and then it signed Ramey. so i know that sounds like a bunch of like mumbled up just jargon but i think it's pretty telling and, and i mean you're sitting there in a pr photo i think just the fact that in that decryption of that photo you have the words used visitors yep or aviators, which tells you that they had beings mm-hmm. in the weather balloon. Like, well, they say disc a right, couple times, five, but that was my point, right? That, like, so they're telling people it's a weather balloon. Yeah. Yet in the press release that's been able to be pulled, there's the word, the language there, the diction is used: visitors or aviators, which tells us that. And I also thought it was interesting how it said new find right next. The next yeah. round of newest information or whatever, like as in this has happened before. This is right. the next this is the newest thing that we've got from this. Which photo was supposed to have that piece of paper in? It was a picture of Jesse Marcel and another dude in the floor and they're holding uh the weather balloon wreckage. It's like just looks like they're holding a bunch of full and in the background is that piece of paper and it's been, but the sentence in that, that that was the most telling to me 
was it says there was a wreck near the operation at the ranch and the victims of the wreck you forwarded forwarded to the team at Fort Worth, Texas. Right. Well, that goes right along with Ryan's story. That goes right along with Jesse Marcel having to take this stuff to Fort Worth. Them sending a bunch of the debris to Fort Worth, like the the whole meeting of the minds was happening at Fort Worth. So you literally have in one sentence it saying there was a wreck near the operation at the ranch and the victims of the of the wreck you sent to Fort Worth. I'd also like to know what the operation is. That's yeah, I will too. I mean, I know that. You know, the base was right there really close. So, and maybe that's all they mean by it. Well, when they say the base, it's an operation usually in, in, in infers that there's something. A, something going on, right? That's, that's the base is performing an operation. There's some, there's some sort of something happening. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's that whole, that whole yeah. thing's strange. Definitely. It's strange. <laughs> I'm maybe. trying to. I can see General in this picture, but that's not Marcel with him. That's it may a, not. It may have not been Marcel. I may a, have been mistaken. That may be Blanchard because he's a colonel. I can see the bird on his collar. But well, I may Mark, be mistaken. Ramey, he's got the star, so that's got to be that's got to be Ramey because he's a brigadier general, and he is holding a piece of paper. Well, the, nobody's holding this sheet of paper in this picture. It Show is. Show that picture up on the screen, or Justin, if you can. Do you have the picture? Yeah, I'm trying to find it and pull it up right now. I just I screenshotted the uh, decoding of that of that paper, and now for some reason I can't find it. Mm. <laughs> They're on to us. Oh, I'll find it. Don't you worry. Amy was right. Boys, that's why she won't come say anything. Hey, y'all know. <laughs> y'all already know. I thought they were watching us. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I think is crazy, and we actually talked to Dave and Frank about it last week, too, is this is the same region and the same area that Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard were conducting Babylon Rising, you know, uh, this whole occultic sex magic ritual trying to bring about, you know, the whore of Babylon and the Antichrist and all this different stuff, like all these th crazy things that they're doing out in the desert. Lance, you have your what, eyes. What was it, a year before, Ryan? A year before Roswell happened? They I were out there in the same vicinity, like trying to literally trying to talk to entities, trying to invoke entities. And then a year later, you've got entities falling out of the sky. Yeah. That's pretty nuts, dude. Man. Right there is he's not putting that piece of paper down, is he? General Ramey, you bastard. See, right there, they're doing a close-up of that picture. I don't know if you guys can see it. Where he's holding that where he's holding that paper. Right. 
But that doesn't look like it reads the way Justin read it. I cannot I don't know. find I cannot find this picture now. I don't know. I just thought it was you know, that's a completely different take on what you're normally used to hearing about Roswell. Like Oh yeah, I mean absolutely it was You know especially that uh, the detail, especially the detail in there when they're mentioning the bodies, and they're to the point where they were down to the details of talking about the size of their phalluses. And that's just just great. Yeah, I, I think I was just shocked. I think that one MP even was talking about when he had to move those bodies, he just threw the penises over his shoulder and drugged them. <laughs> they were that big. I mean, they're little dudes, it should be easy done. No. Like like a little backpack. Yeah. Just, just throw them across your shoulder. Just tie them together. Whoop. Right around the back of the neck. Yeah, perfect. perfect. Sideways, like across the body. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Cross, cross body purse. There you uh, go. Over the shoulder, under the arm, back to the top. Like a tied centipede type deal. I had around <laughs> the middle. <laughs> Those poor aliens. Hopefully their bodies are different than ours and don't work like that. So this brings about the question. You have multiple people saying that they witnessed extraterrestrial bodies. They may have not used the word extraterrestrial, but the way that they described it is what we would call extraterrestrial. Not human. Yeah. Yeah. So so what were these things? What were they? Where did they come from? Where where did they come from? That episode's in a couple weeks, Lance. Quit quit jumping the gun. What did he say? Nephilim portal babies. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, they're coming. They're coming. Uh, I don't know, Justin. Um, Isn't that the age-old question? Yeah. What what were they? Where did they come from? 70 years. What did they want? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy thing to think about, especially when you think about well, you can't compare them to humans because we have no idea what you know how they act, what their personalities are, you know, if any of that. But as far as human civilization is concerned, anytime somebody has traveled to new areas, it was to do research and conquer. Like, right? I mean. The Spanish, the Spanish, the Vikings, uh, Europeans, um, the Mongols, everybody. It was to conquer. That's kind of scary thought right there. You know, seeing like, are they just here to see what we can offer? And then can we offer them what they want? And is that what they're here for? And if they are traveling that far, it's more than likely they can kick our ass. They better do it with some kind of tech because if these little three foot giant genitalia things come at me, I'm punting them, son. I'm punt. I'm straight drop kicking every single one of them. I'll kick your little tripod ass. Lasso you boys up in a meat sleeve. You'll never forget. I'm telling you. Exactly right. They better hope that they got some kind of super awesome tech or telepathy mind powers that makes me get on the ground and start barking like a dog. 
something. They better do something because I'm slanging Judy's at every single one of these little green sum of bucks that come near me. I'm talking Judy and skulls. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> do we think they're still here? I don't know, man. Have you I seen the movie, Paul? Obviously not those three. I, I get that. And that's, that's not what I'm asking. Like, just if it would so let's say those three made it here from wherever right one of them was alive we know there's a ton of reports of them out there from roswell then him eventually he she whatever being able to eventually communicate there's a whole conspiracy theory about trading technology to get him back home and that's how we got there's there's tons of project serpo project serpo there's tons of conspiracy theories out there with these little grays essentially right that's what that's what kind of the for the most part, the common conception of what these things are. That's all beside the point. question I'm asking is, if those three entities were aliens, are they still here? Well, first of all, if they are, in fact, extraterrestrial, who's to say what their lifespans are? Also, Here's another thought that entered my head, as, and it just came to me as I was telling that story. But when Cavett was testifying and Dr. Moore at the congressional inquiry, and they talk about finding a black box, who's to say that wasn't alien technology that we just, you know, took a part of, and now it's in all of our aircraft? And is that the reason of all all of our planes get fucked with by? UFOs in the air, probably up on that little black box. Probably, dude. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that whatever happened in Roswell on that day began a technological boom on our earth. Well, you just, I mean, just think about that though. Yeah, I believe that's that's crazy. The, the just in so we were talking about what were we saying? Eighty years, eighty yeah, years, yeah, almost. Okay. Yeah. Well, you think no. about it. Up until that time, up until that time, and we talked about this a little bit last week too. I think up until that time, mankind had went thousands and thousands and thousands of years. You know, after the flood, I'll say because my belief is there was far superior technology pre-flood but after the flood at least mankind went thousands and thousands of years with these small little tiny steps in the advancement of technology right yeah. i mean How we would all agree we riding with horses yeah like the the automobile had just really started getting popular you know what the 20s and 30s so you're talking say, yeah, 20. 15, 20 years before this, you know, you're just now like, like, well, I know around here where we live, there's a whole lot of folks that didn't have electricity at this time. There was a whole lot of folks that didn't have indoor plumbing at this time, didn't have running water in inside their homes at this time. So thousands of years, mankind has only made these small little steps technologically and then all of a sudden, Roswell happens in 47. And from that day to this day, look at the technological advancements. I mean, for God's sakes, we're sitting here talking to each other 
virtually through screens miles and miles and miles away from each other. We have devices in our pockets that we can literally run our entire lives from. It's insane. Like all of the sci-fi junk that you've seen on Star Trek, you know, back in the the 80s or whatever, that was totally science fiction. We're doing now like it's it's reality. So you see like the gigantic leaps that man has made it. To me, it begs the question like, well, it doesn't even beg the question. There is no question. Like whatever happened there that day, we started reverse engineering it and it's created a boom in technology. That's my belief. Now, I can't tell you, and I'm not sure my belief on what these things are. I have no idea. I don't know if they come from a a different planet, from a different galaxy. I don't know if they are interdimensional and they're here with us all the time and they just kind of jump in and out of you know space time or whatever i don't know if they are us from far 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 away future that has found the ability to time travel and is coming back and checking up on or trying to warn i don't know i don't know what these things are i think you can make a case for almost anything out there based on what account you're listening to Oh my God, what if that is us in the future and our bodies produce that chemical and they took too much THC and that's how they got those <laughs> huge dicks? Maybe. Maybe explain you, a lot. Maybe you're the missing link, Brian. You may be the maybe missing those link. Three things at Roswell are actually us. It's possible. To me, it's possible. Because, okay, think about it. I read an article the other day that said, I don't remember how many years. I mean, it was still hundreds of years, but it said that humans would eventually evolve to where they wouldn't have pinky fingers. You wouldn't have a pinky digit on your hand because we don't really use it for much anymore, you know, as a whole, collectively. You know, the days of climbing trees and, and, you know, doing all this different stuff, we just, we don't really use our pinkies so that eventually we would evolve. Now, you look at early versions of man and the way that our craniums and skulls have kind of grown and widened to, you know, our eyes have gotten bigger. And like, like if you look at the advancements from early man to now, and it's almost like you do that, whatever, that, that, that future, this is what they look like in this many years. It's scary how many people out there will be like, well, eventually humankind, if we stick around long enough, if Jesus don't come back or we don't destroy ourselves, if we stick around long enough, this is what we'll eventually look like, you know, in the next however many thousand years, dude. We look like gray aliens. <laughs> it's flip. It, it's weird. Well, I mean, that's as you know, guessing also. That's- and and well, yeah, obviously it's guessing. But 
Look at technological advancements that are right on the cusp. Look at Neuralink. How many of these people, you know, uh, abduction encounters, you know, what, whatever. How many people say that they see these things, they communicate with these things, but these things never actually speak, right? What if this future version of us all has some advanced version of Neuralink and that's what they can do. It's just like a hive mind. They they're telepathic. They can communicate without, you know, they can do everything telepathically. They have all these. We say it on here a lot. And we have a lot of guests that say it a lot that every new technology looks like magic to a primitive people. Right. Yeah. What if all these crazy supernatural things that get reported it's just some kind of crazy advanced technology that we don't know anything about. It could be. I have said it from our first podcast together. If there are aliens, if there are UFOs, I fully believe that it is the people that left the Earth that were so far advanced before antediluvian technology, before the flood, they got away, got out, have been gone for several thousand years, wherever they've been, and it's them coming back. Because... Just living on the ark. Because, not the ark, but wherever they were at. Well, I'm considering the ark a spaceship. Okay, sure. I can I can get down with that. Yeah, what if the ark um, was a spaceship, not a boat? I mean, I, 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 sure, I can, get, I can get down with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a little like it's another discussion why I don't think that's true, but but I mean I I've said well, they built the arc land, so we know that right <laughs> <laughs> exactly true. But one of the very first conversations that we had about the Nephilim, right, and, and Nimrod and all this stuff, I told you I was like, listen, I believe pre-flood from the time that God made Adam and Eve till the flood time period is the same time period post-flood. Till now, same many years, right? And give or take a few, obviously, but it's the same many years. Those people, DNA, much more perfect than ours, living a whole lot longer than we were. We're a whole lot smarter than we were. We're all living together in the same place, had the ability to come up with a whole lot more technology than we can even fathom, right? And we were, we're starting to hear about some of that antediluvian technology popping back up today. There's nothing that tells me that there's not a reason that there wasn't a division of scientists that were pre-flood that was able to get off the planet, made it to wherever, and to made it to ta- made it to ta- Tatooine or made it to where whatever land they wanted to get to, and then if if we're just gonna I guess entertain the idea that those things were extraterrestrial, we have to entertain the idea that pre-flood people were smart enough to do this. They've been gone now. They're back. Because it tells us in scriptures a multitude of times. Again, this is all based on my belief and faith, right? But it says in scripture a multitude of times, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. So all this technology that we have now that's new to us, this Neuralink, the, the Bluetooth technology that we have, the electric cars and Tesla doing the things it's able to do, and the free energy they're beginning to be able to uh, talk about, and, and sh- it's all happening. It's all happened before. So if we entertain the idea these aliens are real, then we have to entertain the idea that they were essentially just what they were, were pre-flood people. We'll call them Nephilim, we'll call them Nephilim. 
You want to call them pre-flood people who are just really smart? We'll call them that. Um, that's what that is. There's my take on if these aliens are real, that's what they are. Well, it kind of goes back to what Graham Hancock and them talk about. Like he thinks those shittier pyramids that didn't really get built were just the Egyptians and them actually trying to replicate what was already there. So there could have been a more intelligent, highly sophisticated race of people or, you know, just people. Absolutely. Look, I can, I can get down with all of that. I can get down with absolutely all of that. Cause these because guys, these guys present a lot of evidence to support what him and was it Randall Carlson? Mm-hmm. They will see what Graham they got me convinced, man. Oh, I mean, they ain't about got me. They definitely got me convinced. <laughs> I think, I, I think wholeheartedly the history that we think we know is way off, way, way, way wrong. I believe there were civilizations here way earlier than what modern-day archaeologists and all that stuff give credit for. And I believe a lot of this, these sites and places were pre-flood. I mean, Graham Hancock will say it himself. You know, there were all of these cultures and all of these civilizations have these flood stories. They always have these a stranger arrives from a faraway land and helps build up the civilization, you know, helps the architecture and, and build back up. But now as far as the pyramids, my theory on that one is the Tower of Babel. It was a, a ziggurat. It was a pyramid. And then when you have God sending the people all over the earth and giving them, making them speak in different tongues and all these different things where they did relocate. They just started building what they knew. They just got done building this giant tower, this pyramid, this ziggurat. Well, we're going to start building these things again, and then we're going to make them temples and we're going to communicate with our gods through this. And again, I think they were communicating with gods, small G gods. I think that's where a lot of this technology came from. I think that's where a lot of this stuff. I mean, I'm I'm on board with all those things. I think it's Hancock and those guys talking about ancient civilizations and how most of the modern, just normal, I guess, archaeologists don't believe in that thing or those types of things. I think it's almost harder to not believe in it than it is to believe in it, simply because we think of post-flood till now, there are 8 billion people on the earth that are spread out over seven, like six continents. Think about when all those continents are together before the flood. Yeah. And those people were living a whole lot longer. How many people yeah. were actually here? I'm sure it was more than 8 billion. So don't, I don't I mean, those know. civilizations could have been, who knows? I mean, it's, you, we, we really probably even can't fathom what actually was going on and what those civilizations look like. Well, I mean, think about what we know just based on history of North America, right? I mean, North America is, you know, a super young continent or whatever. And, and we'll, we'll just talk, okay, not even North America. We'll just talk, we'll just say the U.S. All right. Just look at what we know 
as far as what we learn in school about the history of the U.S. and what we know to be true. We know that there are like the, the Kensington runestone in Minnesota literally has Viking runes on them in Minnesota. Okay, we know that these serpent mounds, these ancient mounds have been built by what is dubbed the Hopewell and Adena natives. But when you talk to the natives that are from these regions and go back generations and generations and generations, they say, no, nah, we didn't do that. That was here when we got here. We may have reconstructed it. We may have built it up. That was already here. You hear all these stories of, you know, like when we cover the moon-eyed people, these fair-skinned, blue-eyed natives speaking Welsh. Like, there's so many, there's so many things that are just in the U.S. that goes totally against the narrative of, well, these people came over on a land bridge, settled here. They were the first ones here. Boom. End of story. It's all over. Like, I just, there, there's too much out there. And that's just the U.S. Now you start talking about really, really old places in Europe and Africa and Asia that, live, that, that go back thousands and thousands of years anyway. I mean, it's just, I don't know, dude. Like, there's too much evidence out there. That says, I don't know, there's too much evidence out there that says it goes a lot farther back than what we've learned. Justin, you can't stop talking. Well, I had to. I had I had missed. <laughs> I may have caused that. Delay. <laughs> I might have been on me. Sorry, boys. I didn't. I forgot how ADHD, ADD we all three are. Like I try to do something yeah. in secret there. No, we it, can't. You know, we can't multitask. We can't do more than one thing at a time. I don't know. I think this whole thing just opens up hours and hours and hours worth of conversation all the way around. You start talking about all this different stuff. I mean, Roswell definitely happened. Whatever side you want to take on it. You know, whatever your belief is, that's totally up to you. But I feel like the information that Ryan laid out here in all of this, it's some pretty, it, it's pretty damning as far as something otherworldly was going on. Yeah. I mean, it, it, my point of view, anyway. It 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 was it was pretty weird, and I I found it extremely interesting. That's why I wanted to do an episode on it because it was just I'd never heard any of that before. Yeah, you know. And again, huge shout out to Deathbed Confessions podcast. That's where like basically all my information came from. Because like I said, I went to other websites and everything, and just it all lined up when you look at it. I mean, you can literally type in major Jesse Marcel and it comes up Jesse Marcel's confession. You can go through the pictures, all that. Yeah. You look at Walter, how his affidavit is one of the first things you'll find. 
You can actually get the PDF form of that affidavit and read it. Yeah. But. It's pretty awesome stuff, man. It's a deep dive, and uh, I appreciate you doing it, brother. That's that's a lot of work and a lot of time spent into one topic. So, yeah, it just it drove me sober. <laughs> yeah, it for sure did. That's what happens when you go on a deep dive, folks. <laughs> rabbit holes make you yeah. sober. Yeah, rabbit holes will sober your ass up and make you learn something. That's it. That's it. Well, we'll close it out here. I mean, again, Ryan, that was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot that I didn't know about Roswell. I mean, obviously, you know, I knew just as a weirdo, I knew a whole lot. But (laughs) as far as the people and the, you know, the names and the people that were involved, like it really opened your eyes to what was going on in the moment, you know, at that time for the people that were involved in it. And I appreciate that point of view, that perspective from it and about, I'm not just sitting back second guessing and questioning. Okay. Did this happen? Well, I have the people that were in it saying something's off. Yeah. That's also why I included the, uh, uh, contrarian evidence to it, you know, in the congressional, inquiry you know oh yeah yeah for sure because that you know you want to give that a go and that that was pretty important they actually told about that you know but i think it was just because by this point they probably weren't really using that technology or figured out that it wasn't working the way they wanted it to and they just used that as a scapegoat or it was actually what happened i don't know but I don't know yeah. how all these other dudes can come up with the same exact thing. Right. You know, over different was, time periods being told and not told to each other. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that was it's weird. It, it was crazy to me. It's weird, man. It's super weird. But it was awesome. I, ra- right. I, I really, I rather enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, Hill Folk. Well, we'll leave you with that. Um, Again, you guys stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of big things happening this year. You guys have grown this podcast so much, and we're just going to continue to to build on what we're all doing here. You know, like we talk about all the time, we're just building a tribe. We're building a tribe of, uh, you know, a community of listeners and and other content creators and people that just want to sit down and have the cool conversations about the weird crap. You know, that's, that's what we're about. That's what we enjoy doing. Um, you know, again, if you have, you know, theories or stories or, you know, an expertise in something that's kind of on the fringe, you know, regardless of what it is, holler at us. I mean, jump on here, let us know, share your piece. Because we will definitely be interested in in hearing about it. And you can contact us with any of those things at Appalachian Intelligence at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Those are greatly appreciated. And as you all well know by now, we'll shout you out when we find them, when we see them. They come out, we'll give you a big shout out. Um, subscribe to our YouTube. 
That way you don't just hear these sweet, sweet, sultry, <laughs> hickish voices, but you can yeah. see these ugly mugs as well. Or, I mean, pretty mugs on Ryan's end. Just the no. ugly mug over here. No. Just look at his portion of the screen. I can't take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but again, do all those things, heal folk. But more importantly, most importantly than anything, share the show. Share it however you want to share it. That's the only way the show grows. That's the way that these voices get out to all the <laughs> the totally not prepared ear holes that they're going to be going into. <laughs> but do share the show. You guys have been doing an awesome job at that. We really, really, really appreciate it. We love y'all. We hope that you have an awesome, blessed, love and joy field 2023. And hopefully the powers that be, whatever is is pulling the strings and controlling this simulation that we're living in, hopefully they'll let up a little bit because it's been a rough couple, three, however many years now. So hopefully they let up a little bit. Yeah, just do better. And we can kind of start gliding a little easier. Yeah, just do better. Just do better. Just do better, Illuminati, will you? Gosh. Do better, cause you still ain't broke us. We're still, we're still here. Stupid fucking lizard people, <laughs> and we're coming at you. <laughs> we don't even care. We're coming at you. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> Hill folk, we love you. Love you guys. And until next time, we'll see y'all later. Mm-hmm.